Matt Williamson's Draft Diddy's NFC Edition. What are the draft trends for the NFC teams heading into 2022? And the rare trade inside the division. Devontae Parker going from Miami to New England. What exactly are the Patriots building? All that and more coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at the Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Get those questions in for tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday episode. Back to normal programming. We're going to have our Twitter Tuesday on Tuesday, Matt. Who would have thought? How about that? Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I do want to thank everybody for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's what we do on the network. Your team is covered. Matt and I covering the entire league. We're going to get to the NFC draft ditties from Matt Williamson. Notes and trends on every team in the NFL. Go back to last week to hear the AFC trends for uh, teams heading into the 2022 NFL draft. But a little trade over the weekend, Matt, and I need you to help me make some sense of what the New England Patriots are doing right now. The full trade is the Patriots are getting wide receiver Devontae Parker and a 2023 fifth-round pick from the Dolphins, who are getting a 2023 third-round pick in return. So it's not just a third straight up for Parker. This was, a you know, the, the original reporting was it's a third for Parker, but it's a third, but then they're getting a fifth round pick back. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe taking half of that value away of the third round pick, right. That you're, that you're giving up for Devontae Parker. But I look at the wide receiver group for the Patriots and this is an in-division trade and maybe they had to pay a little bit more with that getting to the third round pick area to take away someone from their opponent in their division. And obviously Bill Belichick has seen a lot of Devontae Parker and seen him play with the Dolphins for a while, and he's that outside, you know, go get it, wide receiver, go up yeah. over the top and, and pluck the ball out of the air type of a, a player. And maybe that's exactly what the Patriots offense needs, but um, I don't know that he's a, a difference maker at all. And when you look at their roster and the wide receiver group they're putting together, it's just a bunch of guys, you know. Uh, they're okay, but you're giving up these resources and money last year to not really – nobody's scared of – Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker and definitely not Nikhil Harry right it's, it's so it's really odd with all these other teams in the arms race going on in the AFC and and people trading first round picks and big dollars for you know some really difference making wide receivers and Bill Belichick's going out there and just you know putting together a group of number three wideouts you know he's got five number threes so the depth is good I guess but I, you know the starters don't worry anybody yeah I mean I think we all agree Parker's a good player. He's a quality player. I mean, if he's your two or better off, he's your three with a quality tight end or something like that. And he sees a lot of single coverage. He'll end the season with 65 catches for 900 yards and eight touchdowns and some big plays here and there. But, you know, a, a useful person, member of any offense. Fine. Okay. On an, uh, on the surface, I don't have a huge problem with the compensation. Okay, I get up a third, I get back Parker and a five. That's not so bad. That adds up to me on the surface. So, But some big picture thoughts, and you touched on these. First of all, I really think the league this offseason, one of the themes of this offseason is 
32 teams do not value the wide receiver position all the same. You know, that, uh, that we've seen such an influx of talent there. Some are trading for Adams. Some are getting rid of Adams. Some are trading for Hill. Some are getting rid of Hill. And, you know, I think that they're going to get drafted higher than usual, even though there's not a Jamar Chase because tons of teams need wideouts. So I think that's a theme to watch just across the league. And I'm not saying wide out to the new running back, but there's a lot of them every year in the draft, and that's great cheap labor, and they don't need three years anymore. This is utter blasphemy, and I, you, anyone that listens to me knows I don't do hot takes or I'm trying or try to get a rise out of people. But I think it's fair or time to question Bill Belichick as the GM. You know, I mean, last offseason was really poor use of resources. And I didn't think it was great at the time. It looks worse now even than then. And to your point, and, and you know, expanding upon that, so they now, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't think it's hard to figure out that if you uh, you look at this trade, the free agent money they spent on two tight ends, Aguilar, Bourne, and the first round pick they spent on Harry, that's a lot of your team resources you've allocated to pass catchers, and they're still clearly in the bottom third of the league in receivers. <laughs> right, that's the thing, is all clearly. the resources are still bad. and It's still bad, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, and no one's scary. My overriding theme here is it looks like Belichick is looking for C-plus players. Give me all the C-plus players I can get. And some of them he's paying B-plus money for. You know, like the tight ends are a great example. I mean, before the Kittle and Kelsey contract, those two tight ends were the highest paid tight ends in the league last year. And they're okay. I mean, I'd love to have Hunter Henry on my team or even Johnny Smith who didn't do much. But if that's what you're doing with – when you do get resources and that's what you're using them for, I just don't understand. Right. And they spent two third-round picks on Asiasi and and Dalton Keene, tight ends as well. And so those guys are third and fourth on the depth chart. So you think about the money and a couple of other day two picks that they spent on the tight end position just to still be like, okay, whatever. Um, Yeah, so that's – and look, if all the players – The third-round pick on a tight end should play for you. Oh, he should be a starter for a very long time. tight end in the draft. And you shouldn't need to draft another tight end the same year in the third round either. You should be, right. to, you should right, be right, fine right. with the one, and he's good for a while for you. Yeah, and then obviously – Two more notes on this. Okay. Uh, sorry. Josh McDaniels, though, I mean, I, I think there's a common misconception that when a, t- a coach leaves a team he's been with all of a sudden, they're going to do you know business the exact same way that Bill did. Well, he goes to the ve- the Raiders and says, the heck with that. I'm going all in on the best receiver in the league. <laughs> you know, I played with those C-plus guys. The heck with that. And I guess you could look at this either way with Mac Jones – but I would think the type of receiver you want with Mac Jones would be more 49er-like than jump ball, Devontae Parker, average speed guy. Like, I want the ball out quick. I want route runners. I want to hit him in stride if I'm a Mac Jones, you know, if I'm building around his skill yeah. set. No, and, and I, I would agree with that. They they definitely need more catch and run type of receivers, I think. Right. Mac Jones does throw a pretty nice deep ball, sort of like Kirk oh, Cousins-ish, yeah. you know. So I think he can make use of someone like Devontae Parker, and, and that might be their best receiver, you know. But, oh, I think he is now, which yeah. is a little scary, right? But when you look at all the players we've talked about, if you were drafting those guys and they were all on rookie contracts, it's not a big deal. But the resources spent – to collect this talent is is where the problem is even bigger than just having these players on your team and being your best players. And then going forward, if I'm a Patriots fan, I hope that the organization doesn't think, 
oh, we got the problem solved. You know, we got Bourne and Myers and Parker now. You know, if Jamison Williams or Chris Olave sitting there in the first round, we'll just draft a linebacker. You know, like we got this, we got this covered now. I mean, I hope that's not the way they look at this. I gave them a wide receiver in the the dueling mock draft we did. I think this yeah. is maybe the Patriots telling us they're going to go a different way than wide receiver in the draft. Which would worry me if I'm a Pats fan. And you're right. I mean, I think it's clear. It's not that Parker had to go, you know, but we're not going to pay him long term. We just invested a lot of draft picks in Hill. We want a different style of receiver. It's pretty clear. It's all about speed there. And that's not his game, Parker's game. So we're, it alleviates some of the Tyree kill costs. Like if you, if you put those two trades together, I went from Devontae Adams or Devontae Parker to Tyree kill. And it cost me a little less than it did, you know, two days ago. And to wrap up this trade from Miami's perspective, now that they have added New England's 2023 third round pick, the Dolphins are scheduled to have two first round picks, one second and two third round picks in next year's draft. So they've done a lot and still have a ton of draft capital to continue building that thing going forward. So if that needs to be a quarterback, they can maneuver and go get that done uh, or just add a ton of other talent around Tua and what they've already built there. Glad you brought that up because I've been getting a lot of tweets and you've been linked on a, a fair amount of them too. Quit, quit saying to his jobs in jeopardy. It's him. Bridgewater is just a backup. I hope, you know, I'm just saying if it isn't, he's not out of the woods yet in terms of starter, they can go another direction, but you folks that believe that I hope you're right. And if you are, well, then you're going to add two first round picks and two third round picks and a first rounder around your young quarterback. That's already settled. So it's kind of a win-win. Oh, it's a total win-win. Yeah, and nothing yeah. is set in stone. I think that's the message to Dolphins fans. It might be to a, but it might not be. And it's okay either way because you're in mm-hmm. a good spot. The Eagles are in a similar situation. Yes. Or, you know, is Daniel Jones out of the woods? You know, those type of teams with multiple firsts this year should put some, some money in the bank for next year in case this year doesn't go as planned. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the NFC draft ditties. One note and trend on every team in the NFC approaching the 2022 NFL draft next our next partner has a product I literally use every day and I've been blown away by how much better I feel after one scoop with water is all it takes and you've got all your vitamins all your minerals all your superfoods probiotics adaptogens 75 high quality vitamins in the morning first thing super easy one scoop in water boom you're done and it feels amazing And I was skeptical. I I was surprised how good I feel and how much I needed all those vitamins and nutrients. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. Cost him like $100 a day. We're talking about only less than $3 a day to get all of those health benefits you need. Are you lactose intolerant? You can get those probiotics. If you can't do something like yogurt, you get all of that with Athletic Greens along with all of the vitamins. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Not only the end to the NCAA tournament, which is one of the most fun things to wager on throughout the sporting year, including live betting, but there are tons of draft props going up all the time at Bet Online, your number one source for everything sports betting and not just wagering, but news and information. Which team will select Kenny Pickett? Which team will select Malik Willis? The over-under on when the first running back will be selected. Who will that be? Brees Hall? Kenneth Walker? You can find all kinds of props at Bet Online, And it's not just about football or basketball. There is Major League Baseball getting started. Hockey, UFC, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games as well. You want to play poker and blackjack while you wait for those games to finish? You can do that at Bet Online. So get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at bet online where the game starts thanks for making peacock and williamson your first listen make sure you're following along to locked on nfl a lot of draft coverage coming on locked on nfl locked on experts every day monday through friday in less than 30 minutes it's free and it's available wherever you get your podcast just like this program and all the shows here on the locked on podcast network all right matt it's NFC time, draft ditty. Let's uh, let's strike up band and start with the <laughs> NFC East and those Dallas Cowboys. I have two for the Cowboys, which I just send it into the publisher and they can pick which other one they like. But I think they're both kind of noteworthy. Is since drafting Quincy Carter, remember that name, in the second round in 2001, mm. Dallas has picked five other quarterbacks. It's not very many since 2001. However, those five average draft position is 148th overall. So not only have they been taken very many, but they're very late. But they happen to hit on one in Dak Prescott. So good for them. I mean, this is, I'm not being critical. That 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 approach worked for them. They they hit in the mid-rounds. And it also has to be noted that during that time, they've hit on an undrafted free agent in Tony Romo. So I was going to say, they don't even know yeah. you need to go as high as 148. You just right, go right. with the undrafted <laughs> yeah. star, starter for a long time and then pluck a fourth rounder. So amazing job, Dallas Cowboys. And it's, yep. it's allowed them to do so many other things on their roster. And they've been big players, you know, for a long time, you know, and, and sort of a, a gunslinging owner that's willing to go do other things. You can do that when you're getting court, you're starting quarterback long term in the undrafted and fourth round range. Yeah. Yeah. And- Pro Bowl guys, Romo and Dak, you know, and you're getting them for nothing, basically. I mean, so there's a couple ways to skin a cat in the quarterback world. And then here's a more recent one for Dallas is since 2015, the quarterback or the Cowboys have made 13 picks in either the first or second round, but only three of those have been on offense. Three on offense. Wow. In the first or second round. So, right, right. CD Lamb since 2015. No, okay. So it wouldn't be Zeke. No, Zeke was 2015, right? I, th- I think he's or so it's been since Zeke. I oh, would, since I would. Zeke. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So after Zeke, C.D. Lamb. I can't even think of the other first or second round. Gallup was a. Two, oh, Gallup I was think. a second. Yep. Yep. And must have been a lineman in there somewhere. Was Connor Williams a two? Connor Williams was a two. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, it it could be. A, I've been told by a couple people. Don't be shocked if this is a very heavy offensive draft for Dallas. I mean, they lost Connor Williams, Leo Collins, Samari Cooper. Yes. Like they need to kind of replenish things. I could see I could see secondary or I could see offense. Yeah. And and they were once had the best offensive line in the league, and that's you know, you can kind of mm-hmm. see the light at the end of that tunnel. They need to replenish talent there. So yeah, a lot of different ways the Cowboys could go, but they're in a good spot where I don't think they're really pigeonholed. And I gotta credit the Cowboys, and I know we got to move on, so we got to get to every team in the NFC here. Uh, I got to credit the Cowboys, and you know, most teams, when the owner is in so much control of personnel, it doesn't tend to go great, and it doesn't go great for a long time. 
they've done a pretty good job, and they've put themselves in positions where they could wait, and someone like D, uh, you know, uh, someone like CD Lamb falls to them, and they're able to draft best player available. Yeah. And I think that might be what they're doing at pick twenty four this year too. And I think Micah Parsons was really that. I mean, yeah, there's a need, but boy, this stud just fell to us. Well, we'll grab him. Um, I think they're in a little bit worse shape than usual, though. I mean, they seem to have – there's more leaks on the roster than there used to be. But we need to move along. So and it's interesting that all the teams that started to pay their quarterbacks huge money moved on from right. their highest-paid receivers as well. Right, 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 right. Good point. Um, the Giants – sorry, Giants fans, but I'm going to use this one until it doesn't – I use it every year, and it's just enjoyable to me. I doubt it'll change. Next year, I'll probably mention it again. In nineteen in 1984, the Giants selected Carl Banks in the first round. Since then, they have not drafted a linebacker in the first round. And I'll probably just recycle that one again next year, too, because it's great. <laughs> and it's not going to happen this year, either, is it? It probably won't happen this year, right. Definitely not Since at 1984. Maybe if they trade down. What if a team comes up and they trade down from pick seven and they end up in the 20s and draft a, a linebacker? Maybe Boy, it's possible. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's possible. But there you have it. And the thing is, it worked out so well last time they did it. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Carl's like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> exactly. He's like, oh, we're not doing that again. I hate, so I that, hate going to a Super Bowl in 1986. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> actually, the Eagles are sort of similar. There's a couple, a, 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 a variety of notes here on the Eagles. And they have not drafted an off-the-ball linebacker in the first two rounds since 2012. They also, kind of like the Giants, haven't drafted a corner in the first round since 2002. Um, and then the Eagles' first two picks in the last three drafts have been used on offensive players. And since 2014, Philly has drafted 10 wide receivers, including Devontae Smith, in the first round last year. So, I mean, in so they've, they've drafted 10 wideouts total including one in the first round last year since 2014. I said a lot of different stuff there. But they might draft a receiver in the first round this year, too. Yeah, they might do it again. And in my mock draft, I feel like uh, I hit one trend and had him going with another wide receiver. But maybe the idea of uh, a linebacker and a cornerback, and I had him also taking a cornerback, maybe that's just not a, not something organizationally that they're going to do. They build it up yeah. front and don't spend on corners. So... Yeah, maybe maybe I got to look defensive end instead of corner for the Eagles with one of those first round picks in my mock draft. Yeah, I put Devin Lloyd there as one of their three picks. Too. Yeah, there yeah. you go. They usually don't have three first round picks either, but still. Maybe because they have so many picks that they can buck trends this year. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But I think they're pretty set in their way. They like linemen and wideouts. Yeah, and they've had a, a long time GM now. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. It's not a new shakeup. What's the draft diddy in Washington? Okay, in their most recent five drafts, Washington has made six first-round picks over those five years. The only of those – they're all defensive players besides Dwayne Haskins. I mean, we know a ton of them are those defensive linemen, Chase and all those guys. Uh, in their last 20 drafts, Washington has used their first pick on a wide receiver just once. That was uh, Dotson, Josh Dotson. Oh, Josh Dotson, yeah, who – what he tears ACL right his rookie year or something like that. Yeah, never just never, never came never around. I liked right. Josh Dawson, Josh Josh Doxson so much coming out of college too that he's go just up and get it. yeah he he could go up and get him with the best of them just an acrobat out there yeah but it didn't didn't turn out well. I just saw an article recently about draft age and he was an older 
yeah, prospect. And uh, there's a lot it's of people. A bad really, sign for wideouts. Yeah, a lot of people really believe in that. Breakout age is one thing, and then mm-hmm. how old you are when you're drafted. And when you're a fifth year senior wide receiver that wasn't good until his senior year, it's a huge red flag. Yeah, but they've been drafting defense like crazy. And Dwayne Haskins was their only early offensive pick in the last couple rounds. Chicago Bears, let's go to the NFC North draft ditties. Okay. Um, Over the past three years, Chicago's average first pick was 42.3 overall. And that includes using the 11th pick on Justin Fields that last year. So, and they don't have a first rounder this year. So they're just not making any early picks. I mean, they went to the Raiders for Khalil Mack. They traded. They, they trade up a lot for guys, and mm. it costs them the year after. You know, so they better hit on fields. Right, you better hit on fields, and you you got to start drafting better in the later rounds to replenish the talent that you're missing early. And we've seen a lot of teams with, you know, the, like the Patriots. They, they draft on average about forty two point three. You know, and the Seahawks and some other teams that have done that. Um, and traded down traditionally and built a really good roster, it's fine, but those teams had a bunch of extra picks. Like the Rams right now, they're not picking early, but they have extra picks. The Bears are going into drafts without first-rounders and or don't long. have a lot of extra picks to go with it. So you've got to have right, one or right. the other high picks or a lot of picks, and the, right. the Bears haven't really had either, so you got to hit on that superstar quarterback or it's going to be uh, you know, another long haul, I think, for this new regime in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, like the... The Tevin Jenkins and Cole Komets of the world, they might be fine, but for what you paid to acquire them, they're not fine. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Detroit Lions. All about O-Lyman in Detroit. So five of their past ten drafts, the Lions' first selection was an offensive lineman. So half of their last picks, first-round picks, first pick in the ten, last ten years. And then over the last seven years, four of those sevens were offensive linemen. Kind of a trend. I think we know what they value. <laughs> I think it fits exactly what their head coach's mentality is. Um, yeah. And we'll see what. I think they have a good O-line now. They have a good O-line, yeah. And I think that's yeah. pretty clear. And now you've got to supplement that. And let's see what those position players, the skill position players on offense start to look like and, and build the rest of that defense. And maybe you have something. you got the meat of your team built there. And, uh, yeah, the, the ship seems to be riding a little bit in Detroit. Wouldn't it be something the Detroit Lions start running the NFC North after a while? They need to find their quarterback. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy talk. I mean, if you start with the foundation of an O-line, I could build off that. And going back to the Bears, that's clearly what the, the path is for these teams. Like, okay, let's wait a little bit longer. Rodgers mm-hmm. retires. Now we're ready. You know, let's pounce. Then it'll be Lions, Bears potentially at the top. Or, who knows, very likely so they do something wrong, and then it's the Packers again still that are, that are the best team in the North. Yeah, where we'll get to Minnesota here in a second. And I don't even blame them for this, but they're they're treating their offseason like they're a contender and that they're ready to knock the Packers off now, where eh, I don't know. About I don't that. think that's the right way to play it. Right, me neither. Uh, speaking of the Packers, with exception of the Jordan Love pick in 2020, every one of the Packers' first-round picks has been on the defensive side of the ball since 2011. This is the other one where it would be uh, an extreme – trend breaker for them to go wide receiver with one of their first two first round picks but you i can't not how do they not mock them a wide receiver and some people are uh, more people uh, uh, 
let me phrase this correctly. I've seen more mock drafts that they draft two wide receivers in the first round than they draft no wide receivers in the first round. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I, I, I'll be critical if they don't, unless the draft goes so receiver heavy that there just would be a massive reach. And like, but go then get you one. Take go up and get one. Do. You have extra picks. Yeah, like, make right, that happen. Right. If you see the run, go trade up. Yeah, and maybe they won't. I mean, it, it, <laughs> some of these trends tell you a lot of what these teams think. All right, we'll get to the Minnesota Vikings next, finish off the NFC North. We'll get to the NFC South and West as well, coming up with Matt Williamson's Draft Ditties. Brand new flavors of Built Bars all the time, available at Built.com, the latest brownie batter puff. Are you kidding me? Built Bar Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Low in calorie, high in protein, covered in 100% Real chocolate, what is not to like about a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar but is good for you? Most built Bars have only 4 grams of sugar with all those grams of protein. Low net carbs, low in calories, but they taste fantastic. Whether it's built Bar Puffs, some of the classic flavors of built Bars, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, cherry barcia, raspberry, salted caramel, you can find something you like at built.com or if you're not sure, get a mixed box of built bars and you can get 15% off while you are doing it with our promo code just go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order that is promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com all right the Minnesota Vikings what is the trend with the Vikings here as they uh, try to climb to the top of the NFC North See, this one's a little disturbing to me because kind of like we just talked about with the Rams and the Bears, give me volume. You know, like the Rams, I've harped on this for months now. The Rams may not have early picks, but they make a ton of picks, and therefore you end up with the Cooper Cup in the third round or some linebacker that plays for for four rounds. Well, over the last three years, the Vikings have made 38 picks. I mean, 38 new draft picks have came in the building over the last three years. And one people just to kind of sit and stop, besides Justin Jefferson, there aren't many of those that are super exciting. And that's obviously the most in the last three years. Now, that being said, some of these, a lot of them were late. But how about this? I mean, in the last three years, they've had five third-round picks, seven fourth-round picks, five fifth-rounders, six sixth-rounders, and eight seventh-rounders. Like, you got to hit on a couple. Well, look, and, and we talked about the Bears not having enough draft picks. I don't know if this is necessarily the right way to go about it either. Like, having a bunch of twos and threes is awesome. Having eight seventh-round picks, it, what is that going to do for your roster, really? You're going to hit on maybe one of those guys who's going to be, you know, a long-term special teamer, like most seventh-rounders. It's To be honest with you, undrafted free agents have uh, – there's more undrafted free agents around the league than there are sixth, seventh round picks, right? It's just like, yeah, right, right. So, right. what's the difference? Go sign a bunch of undrafted free agents. I don't know about adding a whole bunch of sevenths, but you know, third, fourth, thirds, you know, seconds. Yes. So, I don't know. It's sort of just a, I kind of rudderless. I don't know what's going on with the Vikings recently, yeah, but I haven't liked of, it. Kind of backs it up. Like, we're just doing a lot of stuff, but I mean, I, I love the Foghorn Leghorn quote. I mean, you're doing a lot of chopping, boy, but there ain't no chips to fly, you know? <laughs> That's really good. That is exactly what's going on with the Vikings. <laughs> it is. Right? There's, there's stuff happening, but it's all the same. You're going to be, you know, win eight or nine games again this year. Let's travel south and check in with the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Uh, the last time the Falcons drafted a quarterback 
They used the 249th pick overall on Sean Renfrey. Sean Renfrey is the only quarterback selected by the Falcons since they drafted Matt Ryan back in 2008. Wow. I would, if you <laughs> yeah. asked me who Sean Renfrey was before this podcast, I would not have been able to tell you he was an NFL I don't know what his story is, yeah. 249 That's a seventh round pick, yeah. <laughs> but they haven't done anything to the position. Like, I wonder what those meetings were like. I mean, I'm kind of making fun of it. Like, well, let's break down the quarterback class this year in the war room. Okay, sure. Yeah, we'll be done by lunch. Yeah, let's you know? not waste we, time. <laughs> we're not going to pick one. We <laughs> put him on this other, this other board of we're not going to draft these guys. And now they're yep. almost forced into it? Do they overcorrect and draft one when they're not that, – that it maybe doesn't make the most sense? So uh, that's an intriguing team right now. How do you build this thing? I think they skip quarterback this year, or they should in the draft. I would. But, I would definitely skip it because I yeah. think they'll be terrible enough to get a better one next year. Yes, yes. I, maybe I would take Sam Howell at the beginning of the third or Ritter. Right, maybe, yeah. Your but, early you third-round pick, if one of those players is there, is like, hey, long-term backup, this guy could be something. You know, Matt yeah, Corral yeah. falls that far, then you, you make that selection. But You get a way. Davis Mills type, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, the Carolina Panthers. So everyone remembers in 2011 they drafted Cam Newton first overall. They've only drafted one quarterback since, and that's Will Greer in 2019. It's a pretty long stretch not to draft a quarterback. You know, it's funny. Will brings Greer, us to this year. You know, Will Greer is a perfect example of what I think this quarterback class is like. Yeah, remember yeah, there was talk kind of that would fit right in. Will Greer is going to be a first round. Oh, he might sneak in late first round, and he ends up just going to the third round, and he ends up not being that great. I think we're going to see a lot of that, and maybe uh, the Falcons shouldn't even use that third rounder on Sam Howell because maybe it's just another Will Greer type of situation, right? Where you draft a guy, he's like, yeah, hey, yeah, I like this guy. Maybe he'll develop into the starter. It's like, well, no, now you just drafted a third round pick on a guy who's barely a backup, and you could have drafted a starting caliber player somewhere else. So, um, how teams treat the quarterback position if they just try to throw a dart at the board? on day two instead of drafting a first-round quarterback. Uh, but if you're not really convicted on the quarterback, it's and, and the, the hit rate is not great on those, you know, second, third-round types, and occasionally there will be a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott or a Davis Mills last year, but that has to be a pretty good reason of why the guy's falling. And if every team in the league has a ton of tape and doesn't really care for the quarterback to draft them in the top 50, I don't know how good the odds are that that player is going to be eventually a starting quarterback for you in the league yeah it's funny i have this conversation here in in pittsburgh all the time like is a third round pick on mason rudolph who's had a better career than will greer Mm -hmm. is that a good pick or a bad pick right it's i think it's a bad pick because it makes you feel like you don't need to do anything at quarterback until you realize you need to do something at quarterback and mm -hmm. you could have had a starting linebacker or something but my my argument sometimes is if Rudolph is the Steelers' true number two for 10 years, it's probably worth a third round. Pick. Yeah, I guess that would be worth a third round pick or just the opportunity to maybe you get Kirk Cousins, maybe you get Dak right, Prescott. Right, right. And if, if you if you've spent one fourth round pick for 10 straight years and one of those became Dak Prescott, it would have been worth it, right? But you win. Yeah, yeah. it's so rare that it's when it doesn't happen after 10 years, now you wasted a whole bunch of draft picks. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, so... I think a long-term quality two is worth a three, a third-round pick. But, but that's a starting safety. I mean, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a quality pick. Yeah. You have to believe um, that that player is, could be a starter, though, too. You have to be like, okay, this guy's got something, and I think he'll be a starter. And even if he's long-term backup, we're okay with spending this pick on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Saints. Saints. 
we know the Saints look at their team building different than everybody else. They're always up against the cap. They're always competitive. They've traded up a fair amount in the you know, last decade or so. Since 2008, they've only drafted 81 players, which doesn't sound like, you know, okay, what's so great about that? That's an average of just 5.8 draft picks per year. Like, there was a pick you know, a couple of years ago they brought in three, I think. You know, like, yeah, they are they, not bringing in a lot of rookies. They traded, I think, their entire day three up to get Troutman or something like that, right? Adam yeah, Troutman, yeah, the yeah. Tight they end. already had Ruiz and, you uh-huh. know, right. And I think they used a seventh-round pick on a flyer quarterback, too. Like, the Saints have been all-in to win it for a while, and they've been able to circumvent the cap in a way to pay people enough to for this to have worked. Does it all fall apart? Is it a house of cards, you know, that's, that's going to fall now? But, yeah, that's, that's generally not an ideal way to build your roster with fewer than the allotted amount of picks every single year. Right. You'd think you're super against the cap. You might as well bring in a lot of cheap fourth, fifth-rounders like the Rams do, but that's not what they've done, and they've been pretty successful. What about the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? The Bucs have drafted a wideout in each of the last five drafts, but none of the wideouts were selected in the top 82 overall. So a lot of fourths and fifth rounders and those types. That's, yeah, it helps when you get a Godwin and you already had a Mike yeah, Evans in there, right. and then you can just supplement that. And uh, it's, Tampa might go wide receiver, dark horse. Yeah, I'd say they might. That's why I brought that one up. Possible. NFC West, Arizona Cardinals. Over the last five drafts, the Steelers or the Cardinals have used a first round pick on a linebacker in three of those five. And the other two first rounders on a time were quarterbacks. So the last five <laughs> drafts have been a linebacker or a quarterback. And, you know, yeah, they, one of them is, it couldn't be any different way of looking at things, you know? The Cardinals are definitely set up for an oddball one just because of those first round picks and, and having back to back top 10 quarterbacks, which I, I think might've been the only time that's ever happened. Yeah, and then they're an easy one to pick on. And the other two first, so those linebackers, but like, it's hard to blame because they have these unicorn linebackers and it's the way the draft fell and sort of, they were best player availables when they were on the clock and maybe they would have rather gone a different way, but that's how the board fell. And it just sort of victim of circumstances in some ways. And I think back to the Detroit lions, remember when they drafted four straight, the wide receivers in the first round right, under right. Matt Millen. It was just like, well, gosh, a good thing they drafted Calvin Johnson, the last of them, because he was the best of them. And if they would have passed just because of the position, he was the best player available. And that's kind of how they went. It's just like the board fell that way. And maybe they should have maneuvered around so that wide receiver wasn't the top guy on their board at the point when they were drafting. And maybe the Cardinals should have done the same with those linebacker picks. But sometimes you just get you're a victim of your draft selection and the where you're sitting, the best player on your board is this position that doesn't make the most sense for you. Yeah, and what's neat about it to me is the the Rosen-Kyler thing is obviously odd. But the other three picks were Reddick, who now is really a defensive end. But when they drafted him, they drafted him as off-the-ball linebacker. Uh, I hated that because he was a 3-4 right, right. stand-up rush linebacker all day long, and they tried to make him an off-ball backer. And it was just it, it was the most obvious way to ruin a draft pick. Like, just yeah. not use the guy at what he's good at. And now, guess what? He's good at the thing that they didn't want to use him at, and it took him a while, and now he's a better player, and now he's getting paid somewhere else. So you, you got a good player, and you used him wrong. So even when you hit, you miss. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with it, is the three linebackers were Reddick, Isaiah Simmons, and Zayvon Collins, none of whom is a traditional yeah. Mike Singletary <laughs> linebacker. Right. I hope they figure out a plan and use these guys right, because they yep. didn't with the first one. That's very true. Very true. The Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I couldn't help myself here. This is just me reiterating yeah. what they always do. 
Um, they haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff, and that was first overall in 2016. But despite not having high picks, they still average nine and a quarter, 9.25 draft picks coming into the organization every year over the last four years. Yep. And we've and, talked about that at nauseum. Yep, more of the same this year. That is the plan. Yep. We don't care about first-round picks, but we still draft a lot of players. Yeah, exactly. Your Niners, I didn't realize, were in this boat more so than I thought, too, because in 2020, they only made five draft choices. But still, from 2013 through 2021, the Niners averaged 9.3 draft picks a year, you know, and that's despite trading up for Lance and, you know, some of those things. So they understand the idea of volume well, too. And I didn't, you know, give them credit for that before this. Yeah, they've been big in the comp pick game. And yeah, they've yeah. spent a couple of picks. They they traded a second rounder for D Ford. They traded a pick, a couple picks for uh, Trent Williams, which is why they didn't have uh, mm-hmm. their full allotment of picks in the 2020 draft. And they did so. They've been aggressive, and it, they just don't. They haven't been as aggressive as a team like the Rams. So it hasn't been as obvious. But they've been a team that's been somewhat aggressive, and also played the comp pick game well. And and by the way, that that draft in 2020, they didn't make a single selection of their original seven picks. So John Lynch is not afraid to swing a trade or two. Yeah, right, right, right. If you're bringing in 9.3 draft picks per year since 2013, you're going to end up with a lot of mid-round talents that you often bring up that are quality Niners. Yeah, and the Niners haven't been great in the early rounds, and they've been really good with those fifth-round picks. So keep adding those, man. Yeah, right, right, right. So we'll wrap it up with Seattle, which is kind of a downer because I turned this in before the Russell Wilson trade. This was something I did quite a while ago, but it still gives you an idea of what's going on in Seattle, you know, since uh, 2012 or so. So here's how it reads is the Seahawks only made three draft picks last year, which was bizarre, by the way. We need to talk about that a little more. And as this reads, currently don't have a first round pick in this upcoming draft because they still had Russell Wilson. But before 2021, Seattle averaged just under 10 players drafted in their previous nine drafts dating back to 2012. So they're another example. I'll phrase it my own words now. You know, During the Pete Carroll era, they have looked at the draft much differently than every other team. I mean, they traded first-round picks for guys like Jimmy Graham, uh, they made draft picks like Penny and Collier that we all kind of look at each other and like you probably could have got him 50 picks later. But they have brought in a lot of bodies, you know, even though then last year they only had three. They're definitely a team that I would not be shocked if they traded out. And maybe that's the point of the draft yeah, where yeah. a team might it might not be too expensive for a team to move up to pick number nine. And depending on, you know, who's there, I think they would probably draft someone like, say, Derek Stingley, if he's still there, pretty quickly, Probably, maybe. Yeah. Um, but they would absolutely be willing to move down and collect picks because that's been what they've done. They got away from that recently. I think they're going back to that now. Yeah, I think that's the the deep rooted philosophy here. And you know, if you're going to trade Wilson, well, yeah, give me picks, but that doesn't mean that they value them the same as every other team. Those are the draft trends, according to Matt Williamson. Always fun. I love the draft ditties every year, and I can't wait to do it again next year, Matt. Yeah, it was a good time. It was, it was a fun two shows there, and it, it just makes your your wheels turn a little bit, thinking, oh, now I'm trying to – I kind of understand how these teams yeah. look at the draft, and that's 32 different viewpoints. It really helps you sort of get into the mind of teams, and you know, a team like – trying to figure out – 
what the, the Packers are doing. It's like, okay, got to go wide receiver, but they also have a, a type at wide receiver. It's like, okay, well, which wide receiver fits the type? Where do you draft them? Do they not draft the first round wide receiver? Because they never do. So it really makes you, it, it's a lot more fun for me to sort of get into the mindset of the, each team as I'm doing one of those draft projections, even though, you know, I'm going to be wrong in the end. Yeah, Packers wide receiver, Giants linebacker, uh, Eagles corner. All those teams, all those things are positions of need. But if deep down the teams don't believe you use first-round picks on those positions, it might not happen, folks. And I find it fascinating when some teams with multiple GMs, like the Giants, it goes back right, to 84. Right, right. It's like, is that ownership's like, we don't draft linebackers here. And and if the the new GM who's being interviewed is like, I don't like linebackers either. Like, okay, great, you're hired. We're here, cool. We think, we yeah. like you, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of them sure are ownership related, you know. All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On NFL Draft. Matt and I will be back tomorrow. Twitter Tuesday, get those questions in at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.